another episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the lands and airwaves where this conversation takes place. Land which was never ceded. Land where communities came together to eat seasonally, locally and without exhausting resources. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and rising. Today I'm talking to Andrew Ballard. Andrew is a tall man with a red beard. He could be a Viking and he certainly wouldn't look out of place on the Scottish moors. Andrew is originally from Hamilton in New Zealand and like many chefs of his generation was told that he was useless at school and he should just go and be a chef. We discussed this ludicrous concept at length, as well as a whole lot of other things, in an absolute wild ride of a conversation that I absolutely loved. Andrew is currently the owner and chef of Simmer Culinary, a diverse hospitality company based on the Mornington Peninsula that oversees the Gastronomique Development Kitchen, a cookery competition training kitchen, where Andrew trains chefs to compete at the highest level of the culinary arts, And this means managing the complete kitchen operations for the largest culinary events around Australia and overseeing all major kitchen operations for such events as Taste of Sydney, Melbourne, Perth and Darwin, the Good Food and Wine Show in all of the major cities and the Cake Bake and Sweets Show for both Melbourne and Sydney. This challenging role keeps Andrew and the team on the road 20 weeks of the year. Andrew recently competed in and won Australian Professional Chef of the Year for 2021 and was the New Zealand winner of the Boku's Door competition. Settle in. This is a fairly lengthy conversation, but such a great one. reading all the things you do do you ever sleep no, no, not at, the moment. at the moment it's just and we just picked up vivid in sydney as well wow so, congratulations yes yeah, so we finish good food in two days oh in, sorry in a week sorry my brain's just down in a week and then we go straight we drive have to drive all the way straight to sydney we're there for 23 days which is it's a big gig yeah, like actually, yeah it's just a crazy 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 month not three months actually my month my time has just gone but I was reading too that you usually spend about 20, 20 weeks on of the, the year on yeah. the road. Yeah, so we've got Good Food and Wine Show next week. This next three months is a really good example. Good Food and Wine Show next week. Then I come back here. We've got three days to pack all the equipment, get it into the truck and drive it to Sydney. Set up Vivid down in Darling Harbour. Uh, live off out of, an, out of an Airbnb for 23 days while we run that, which is a completely new feature for us. So that'll be something interesting. That's, it's a fire pit thing, so we've got chefs coming along to do demonstrations, all cooked over fire, and butchers, and then I'll do two days a week, and then we'll run it for the other five days a week, between myself and my brother, who's a chef, who's coming from Whakatane. Um, uh, yeah, and then we, then, I, when then we basically we pack that up, and then we've got, at, in Sydney, Good Food and Wine Show, then my brother will drive all the shit back to Melbourne. I fly to Auckland for a global chef competition for two days, then fly back to Melbourne, and then that's on the that's on the Sunday, Monday. And then on the Tuesday, we start setting up the Cape Bacon Sweet Show, Melbourne, and then we finish that, and then we go into <laughs> Olympic practices in Perth. What? Yeah, it's just fucking. So how crazy. do you get? So do you have to? Um, what's the word? Pitch is a different word. No, Tender, they or come for me. they come for you? Yeah. <gasps> Look, it's it, that that line of things was really weird. Like I had a friend who was doing it, 
and he did it because he wanted to be a famous chef. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so that was his pitch. And then he had a bit of a, a bit of an issue. Yeah. And then uh, just had had enough of it, wasn't going the way he wanted. And then we, we came in sort of as a support group for him and then they just came to me and said, oh look, you want to run it? And I thought, oh, I'll give it a year, you know, it's something fun. And that was good food and wine show. We thought, oh yeah, we'll, we'll give it a go. And it was, uh, it was interesting, it was fun, it was different, mm. you know what I mean? Um, it took about a year for us to get the, uh, I suppose, the buy-in from the Celebrity Chefs Rule. That was the year that Gordon Ramsay was there and he had that thing with Tracy Grimshaw. So that made it a really interesting year for me, being my okay. first year off the, you know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah, so we, we took it, ran it for a year. The guy had worked for me, AT, who was an amazing chef who was working for me, he loved it too, so we just jumped into it. Um, and then we, it just sort of grew. Like we started off with just the theatre, and now we've got like, yeah, the, 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 every feature that's basically running food at those shows is, is well, not every, like not the private enterprises, but all the stuff like, you know, we've got, so Good Food and Wine Show next week, good example, we've got the Celebrity Chef's Theatre, we've got the VIP Kitchen, which is actually running under my name, which I'm, I'm quite stoked with, so that serves up to 300 people a day VIPs, a meal, and then they get alcohol and stuff as well. And then we've got the wine theatre, which is just a massive undertaking. So I've got three chefs down there who'll run that, which is like, there's four rooms, five sessions a day, four wines and four matched foods to go with each wine. So you do them as tastes, but you do, that's massive sort of planning. It's all in the planning. You know what I mean? Well, I was just thinking then, you must be so well organised. Well, so it, many... all runs off, it all runs off an Excel spreadsheet. It's one massive Excel spreadsheet which is famous for shutting down people's computers when I send it to them. Wow. Like I get told, oh, my computer shut down when I try to open it. It's because there's so much information on it. It's got 10,000 ingredients that you change the cost of this ingredient. It recalculates the whole spreadsheet. It's just, like you can buy a system to do it, but not, I've customized the system to run events, these specific type of events. You know what I mean? Like it's, and it's, so it's, that's, that's what runs it. And then the guys turn up and I format all those sheets to say, here's your prep lists. Here's your... So you're, you come up with the concept for everything? No, no, not always. Mix of. So they'll come to me and they'll say, we want to do this, this, and this. What oh. do you think? And then they'll, 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 sometimes they'll go, here's what we're doing. Yeah. Make it work. And I'll say, right, so here's your costs and here's the labour we need and here's the ingredients. It takes a while to do the ingredients because you're going to cost it out. We're, we're accurate with that. So we go, here's, yeah, we, we provide them with those costs. Sometimes I'll say, hey, we're looking at doing this. Is it going to be viable? And which I'll do the same thing and say, well, yes or no. Or here's, all I can do is say the costs. You know what I mean? Um, I, I have a bit of a unique system with these. I don't charge on anything other than a management fee. So I charge a management fee, mm. and then I just do everything. It doesn't matter what. The, and so some of the shows, like some of the shows, Good Food and Wine Show is a massive beast. We love it. It's good. Wouldn't have it. It's as long as it's organised properly. On site, it's just going through the motions. Mm. Just follow the. All my guys have to. A lot of my guys. They don't need, some of them will, but a lot of them don't need to actually even look at what they're doing before they get on site because they just have to pick up the sheets and just follow the breadcrumbs. Wow. Um, Okay, and how many staff do you have? Well, this one, I'm just doing it. We've got 16 going to Melbourne. Uh, It'll be the same going to Sydney. Perth Perth gets real expensive, as you can imagine, flying, because we fly them from all over Australia. My guys are are no scratches. Like, I mean, you know, Rohan, who's one of my main guys, he used to be the uh, the head chef for Chef Ramon, and we've got... Yeah, we've just got some amazing. The guys who work for me just stunning. So, do you, are they just on call for you, or are they doing no, other they jobs? No, they're on their holidays. 
What? Yeah, they take holidays to come do it because they love it. Some do. Some, some of them even, like, like I'll use Rahan as an example again. He does agency work, and I'm pretty sure it's because he just loves to do the shows, so it frees him up to do the shows, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And this day, this day and age, a lot more people are doing that. Like, they're sort of on SUP or those other elements. I don't know if you've heard of SUP. No. It's a great little... It's like an, a task finder. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, so a lot of the guys are just sort of permanently on SUP. Yeah. So on your phone, it goes, there's a job here. And then you... you, you you go off. It's like Air, uh, uh, Air Task Uber. Or Uber. It's like Uber or, yeah. or something like that. Or like you rate the person, you, they can see your CV, and you, you know, you, you, a job comes up, you go, oh, that looks good, I'll take that. The rates, you can set your own rates. You apply for it, they accept you or don't accept you, whichever way, and then you, you, you accept their offer. And then you, you turn up to the job and you get paid when you finish the job, which is great. So a lot of the guys, uh, a lot of people now, chefs, are starting to go to doing things like SUP. Because what, just, why is that? What's the advantage of that? Because you make nice your own hours. Month, own hours. Yeah, you make your own hours. Like yeah. I do, even I go on there as an employee when I'm not busy. Like the beginning of the year, I didn't have something, for, I didn't have much for like February. Okay. Um, when I got back from France, I was like, hey. And, and the cool thing is, is you turn up, you don't have to, the cool thing about doing that sort of work is you, there's no, you don't take the work home with you. Like I work, I work, I get up at 6 a.m. every morning, I work through till 2 in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know what I mean? Like at least midnight because I own the business, you know what I mean? Whereas with that stuff, oh yeah, cool. I'm working at 8, get up at 6, get there, work, leave, finish, done, just go and just work your guts out for, it's like, a, and then go home. Like you don't have to think about it. So a, so a lot of the guys, they'll do that because it frees them up to be able to go do the shows. You know, we've got, next year's looking massive, like we've got a few more big projects in the in the pipelines mm. um, so once we get back from the Olympics uh, next year is looking ginormous for some kind of basically the, as the senior national team we we have to do two spots and it's very exciting because in two days time we find out it's the, there's a big announcement which is what kitchen we're in right. and what days we're competing because it's like an Olympic that runs over like a week yeah um so you do what the first set is you do what's called a restaurant which is there's six chefs in the kitchen one dishwasher two helpers outside which call the parson sort of the managers yeah um, and you have to serve 110 people entree main dessert okay right and then the only usually the only stipulation they make is they'll tell you what the protein is that's it right right so that's a hard enough task already because we are coming from the bottom of the world so I'm the okay. team captain for Australia wow so, so this the, well, this is what this kitchen is about. This kitchen is for the purposes of practicing for that, or for 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 you know, competitions in general. Because yeah. we've got uh, the competition schedule as well for me is also taken off. So, I've got without sounding like it sounds like an arrogant prick, but I've got. So I'm the captain of the Australian team. Yep. For um, for the Olympics and for we it's the Australian culinary squad. So it's not just the Olympics. We're also doing the Asian culinary. Cup. We did the Luxembourg uh, uh, Culinary World Cup last year in November, uh, and then I've also I'm, I'm also doing the Global Chef, which is in Auckland, uh, and then that's the Pacific Finals, uh, which is a bit different. And then the winner of that will go to Singapore to compete at the end of 2024. Wow! And so. Okay, so there's a lot of culinary competitions, and I was, I was listening to you know at the Boku's door. They were saying they're not well supported by government or no, not government um, or big it, or big. So, so what? I don't, 
I can't think of a bit. There's a better way of phrasing this question, but but what's the what's the point of competitions? Like, what do you get out of? What do I, What does Australia am, get out I, of if you've got a national team? So, two things. First of all, it's it's like the America's Cup, right? You remember in New Zealand? Do you remember the America's Cup no, before too. New Zealand won it? No. No, exactly. <laughs> That's my my point is until we get on the podium, no one in Australia will give two flying shits about the, the culinary world cup or mm. the, the the culinary olympics mm. or any of those these are like the f1 races of competitions yes. you know what i mean forget about your master chefs and your amateur competitions forget about your i mean all the local competitions and stuff are great because they they foster people into it but this is like the the pros yeah you know what i mean um so once we get on the podium like you saw with the america's cup or any of these big events it will be massive yeah someone was telling me actually yesterday um it's like, uh, where were they from? I think they're Polish or I don't know where they're from. But apparently there's a big darts competition, a big world darts competition, right? And no one in Poland gave a shit about it until this guy got first place. And all of a sudden, then it was the biggest thing in darts, like the massive <laughs> thing. In it. So yeah. the problem is Australia used to, or has in the past, not used to, has in the past achieved really good results in the Olympics. Yeah. Um, so what we get out of it a country is, is, is you look at somewhere like Denmark, and those Scandinavian countries where they've sort of really sort of come into their own. Um, and when you think, say, Den- Denmark's a really good example. When you think Denmark, what restaurants come to mind besides Noma, besides the obvious? The one called Geranium? Bingo. So where does, <laughs> where does Rasmus Koford, who runs Geranium, come from? He won the Boku store, bronze, yeah. silver, gold. Not many people would know that, but they do know Geranium. Yes. And what he does is very much Boku store style food. Mm. So if you looked at, I don't know, I'm jumping around here a bit, but if you looked at the... Um, sort of the premier competitions worldwide. You've got uh, the Boku store is kind of one of the, there's two premier uh, individual competitions. Mm. One's definitely the Boku store, which as you can see by my wall, I'm absolutely just fucking crazy about. You are, yes. Um, yes. I've been involved in it in for 20 odd years and, and I just love it. Yeah. Um, I love the format and what it's about. Then you've got Global Chef, which is the one that I said I'm going to New Zealand to do. That's the other one, which is run by WAX, the World Association of Cooks. So, so um, is it held in different places and it just happens to be in New Zealand this time? New Zealand's the Pacific final, yes. Yeah, so it's held in different oh, places. And, okay. then the, and then the final of that one always coincides with the WAX General Conference, which happens every four years, I think. Okay. So you've got the Boku store, you've got the Global Chef, then for the teams, there's the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And then the Culinary uh, World Cup, which is what we just did, is kind of like like the Commonwealth Games of the, it's kind of like the little cousin, if you will. So yeah. they run two years, two years, two years, two years, just like the Olympics and the Commonwealth Games do. Wow, you know, okay. It runs between. And the one that we just did in November is kind of like the, um, you kind of have to be invited to go yes. to enter. Mm. You know, you have to be, the, the Germans who always run it, um, you kind of have to be invited to enter the Olympics. It's four years older than the Sporting Olympics. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it's been okay. running longer right than the Sporting Olympics have. Yeah. 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 So, so um, you know, like w- what we get out of the country is, I mean, we are, me and the team have, we have, Every day we're doing something with it. Every day I'm on phone calls with the guys. Every day we're yeah. planning. Every day we're cooking or trialing something. Um, we've got message boards that are just like a buzz all the time with backwards and forwards. And the idea is, is we are working concepts to get them absolutely perfect. You know. Um, so, yeah. Look, the Olympics is it's a team event which makes it very different. You know what I mean? So you've got those. What if, I'll go back to. Sorry, I know I'm wobbling here. I've jumped around a bit. It's the ADD. Don't worry about it. Um, it's the, what makes me function. Without ADD, I'd be screwed. Um, so you've got the the chef's table. Oh, sorry, the uh, the restaurant challenge, which I talked about, which 110 people. 
then you've also got a thing called the chef's table, which is a little more elaborate. So the chef's table is only 14 people you're serving. They usually invite the VVVIPs to dine, um, whereas the other one, the public can purchase tickets to eat. Then you've got, the, the, that one's a little harder. So you've got 14 people, you've got to do uh, these massive platters, which are kind of reminiscent of the Boku store platters. Yeah. Uh, still the same six chefs have to be in both kitchens. This is two days after you've done the first one. So you've already been through this marathon, you're gonna do this one. So you've got your Boku, your platter, your cold platter, they call it, which is like a, a cent, an old school centerpiece with your garnishes, which you probably saw Boku stuff, mm, mm. right? And then you've got to serve uh, 14 canapes, two hot styles, two cold styles as well. Um, and then you've got to serve a vegan, it's not called an entree, but a vegan dish to follow that up when they sit down. And then you've got to serve your protein main, they'll, they'll tell you the protein is your, your main course. Uh, then the dessert, uh, which is all plated, and then four, uh, four, petty, four different types of petty fours. I think, I think one of which has to be hot, don't quote me on that. Or do quite be whatever. <laughs> no one's really going to care. Um, and then, and then, as well, before we even start, the pastry chef has to develop and put onto the table this really elaborate chocolate and pessiage um, centerpiece. So it's like a really, and you've got five and a half hours to do it. Wow. It's a massive amount of work, even for six chefs, and and you've got six chefs of dishwasher and two people outside the kitchen. The same people as who were in the first team doing the restaurant. Um, and is the communication the same as it would be in a kitchen under pressure during service, or do you need different kinds of coding to communicate what you're doing? Everything, it's like a dance. A dance. Everything is, the communication should be, they want to see, you, when you're getting marked, you're getting marked on everything. Yes. Like, I mean, when I say everything, I mean 100% everything. How you work is as important as what you put in front of the customers, yeah. or in front of the, the judges. But you are being marked on everything, including your, like as, as the captain, I'm being marked on my, my management skills, you know, yes. we've been marked on our paperwork that we've done prior and our, and, you know, some of these countries put a massive amount into their booklets and recipes and menus and, and that sort of thing, you know, uh, which you have to do, you know, yeah. it all counts to marks and, and... Will you be cooking as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's, it's, so it'll operate like a normal kitchen, like say for a restaurant, I will bounce around the kitchen, oh, yeah. predetermined, I'm not just bouncing around willy nilly going, <laughs> but we'll bounce around the kitchen sort of, okay, so this person at this particular moment in time, we know they're doing this job, I'm on that job with them. Yes. And then three of us coming together to do this job because we know that, you know what I mean? So it's working like a normal wow. kitchen, uh, very complex, and a dance is probably the bit, because you've got five and a half hours and every second is accounted for. And if you've got one second you haven't used, then you need to fill it. Yeah. Yeah, it's very complex, very, and that's every, you know, Boku store is not the, no different, Boku yeah. Chef is no different, the Colonial World Cup is You'd no different. You'd have to be so match fit. So how many hours of preparation? <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah we're, we're working on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, hours of preparation? Like, do you have to... 30 a week? Yeah. For two years? Oh, okay. That's, that's like a full-time job. Yeah, it is. All the job I do is to fund this, if I'm being honest. Don't tell my wife that. Shh. But, <laughs> sh- sh- like, everything I do, the reason why I... So we're, 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 we're working on opening a restaurant as well, but I've paused that as long as I can because this is a priority. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, this is a priority. The restaurant piece is, is, it will happen, and it was supposed to happen beginning of this, beginning of this year, and it was supposed to happen the beginning of the previous year, but because of all of this, I've stalled it, because A, you don't get any better marketing than saying, you've just come back from the, the Olympics as the captain, and, and my marketing people will push that angle, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But B, the development you go through as a chef, and the, the professional development you go through as a chef, and, and the concepts you come up with, we might put this on the plate, but we will have a backlog 
of a hundred other ideas that we've worked that haven't either quite worked the way we wanted or didn't work within the menu. They're brilliant, but they just didn't work. We're after creating perfect dishes and a perfect menu or, or meal from the beginning to the end as well. You think about that chef's table I talked about with all those elements we're prepping, those all have to look like they belong. You've got six different chefs working in six different states or five mm. different states. Mm. You know, that still has to look like a cohesive unit. Yeah. Sorry, and I jump around a bit. You have to. No, that's a, it's amazing. So you say, so you, you don't know. You only find when do you find out what the protein is? Probably not till September, but we can still work all the elements. So you will, but okay. we'll work all the elements mm. and say. We're planning on it. It'll usually be something, you know, it could be rabbit, could be duck, could be lamb, could be beef, could be chicken. Mm. And then when they announce that, we'll get all our garnishes and all our flavour profiles and go tweet, 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 okay. tweet. So at the moment, it's technically based training mm. to have to have elements that are going to be harmonious texturally and things. You can do all that, you know what I mean? You can say, well, this garnish, as much as possible, the garnishes have to be something where with a few sort of ingredient tweaks could be used on duck, quail, chicken, rabbit, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you have to, we know you have to do two cuts, so no matter what it is, you have to do a, a long cook and a, and a quick cook. Okay. You know, you, we know all that, so we've got a lot we can work with. Mm. The, the, you know, Boca Store's the same. They, they, Boca Store will not, quite often won't announce the final uh, protein until a month before, and it's to even the field. Yeah. It makes, because I mean, the Scandinavians, uh, you know, they, they've got teams that are training as a full, they don't have to work to support themselves. They've got massive government funding. Yes. Um, I don't think that's an excuse for not, not succeeding. I think that's where Australians thrive. Yeah. Put under the pump and, and having to fend for ourselves, that's what we do on this end of the planet. You know what I mean? To, to say we don't have the government funding, we don't have that. Um, I don't have any funding, I've created it. I've created a kitchen, I've created the means to be able to do it because uh, I think to, to say the funding would be nice. Sure. I was going to say, especially with a Kiwi in charge, because, you know... Oh, I'm, taking Australia, I'm going to take Australian citizenship in July. Are you? Yeah, I, I think it's important that I'm an Australian. I am an Australian nowadays. I come home. I, I travel to and from. Yeah. I'll be honest. I came home. When I... Backstory is I was supposed to do Bocuse, as you know. Yes. I was in New Zealand. We were ready to fly to France, and New Zealand got locked down. And I got stuck in a hotel room for three months. Oh. All by myself, no family. I, well, my sister was there, but you know, there's limited scope yeah, yeah. to go and see people. New Zealand lockdown was no joke. What city were you in? Auckland. Yeah, so right. the supermarket was the only thing that was open. Couldn't even go and get a coffee. The only thing that was open was the supermarket, and you're only let out for I think an hour a day or half an hour a day. It was it's, ridiculous. It's really scarred. I, mean, I was just back in Christchurch, and people are a bit. Oh, New, Z- right. New Zealand. Well, yeah. Look, I I, I was there, and the whole yeah. time I was just trying to get home. I had staff here. Who were one of them used to be a a, a, um, a chef on a on private yacht, so he was trying to get me on a yacht that was being built in Auckland, going to Fiji from Fiji to Thailand, from, oh. Oh, sorry Fiji to uh, Bali, from Bali to Darwin, and then I was going to drive from Darwin to Melbourne. That was the lengths I was going to go to to try and just get home to my family and to, to my kitchen, and, and then finally when I did get home, I remember that's so, uh, highly illegal. I drove over the Balti Bridge and I parked on top of the Balti Bridge. And I literally stopped the car and hopped down. I was like, no, stop the car. And I sort of looked down and I was going, there's my city. Melbourne's home. Yeah, New I Zealand, agree. I've been here so long. Melbourne is now home. I mean, in my core, I'm still always... I mean, I, I mean I just, you've got a swan drive. I, that's what I mean. You're, the esprit de Kiwi, you can still call yourself an Australian. But I reckon that 
I think at my, I think at my, I think at my core I'm probably that's my thing. Like I, at my core I'm probably more Australian now than I am New Zealand wow. because I've been here too long, so long. When like, did you come? Oh, 2002, I think. Oh yeah, that's ages. Ago. And and you know my my youngest son was born here. My yeah. my other two kids have only ever known here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's my business is here, my home is here, my friends are here. I go I I go home and I kind of don't go home to New Zealand. I kind of don't fit in it, unfortunately anymore. Like I kind of have a different. Australians, you know, Australians and New Zealanders have a different mentality. Really neither, different. Is, neither is I better or worse. No, but I did. Look, I, I was surprised. I moved here in 2011, and um, and I, and even though I'd, be, I'd visited here lots of times, my brother had already been living here for a long time. I did. I was surprised. At, 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 we are quite different. We are different. Yeah, <laughs> just the way we our mentality is yep. different. You know what I mean? Like, and and that's not to say either is better no. or worse. That's not what I'm saying. No. I'm not saying oh, no. Australians are better than New Zealanders. New Zealand. No, that's no. not the case. But we are different. The way we look at things. The way we um, you know, like uh, it's just different. It's you know, yeah. And and for a chef, there's no life for a chef in New Zealand. Not when I was there, anyway. There's not. You know, uh, it, it, the, the that's why so many New Zealand chefs unfortunately come to Australia, and New Zealand loses loses all their their their, their sure. labour base because. Look, I was running a hotel there. We had umpteen venues inside the hotel. I was the executive chef, and I was doing a mm. hundred hours a week, and I was making fifty thousand dollars a year. That's bullshit. Yeah, look, there's some cool things happening though. Really, some of those really passionate, just small little places. But you're right. I mean, it's probably hard to make a living doing that. If you go family, I was running a fine dining restaurant. My wife was using. I'm not joking. My wife was using food stamps to get food for family. Yeah, yeah. That was what we had to do, and, yeah. and 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 that was with me doing almost 100 hours. You know, that was just yeah. crazy. It was it was actually it was actually ludicrous. But so tell me though about I was going to say little Andrew, but I can't imagine you ever being little. But little Andrew and ha- Hamilton is that where you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever imagine this? Uh, what did you no, always I'm, I'm know really, you wanted to be a chef? No, look, look, I, I, I wanted to be all sorts of things. Um, my older brother's a chef, like I said. Um, I used to work with him now and then, and I used to. I've, I always like when I think about when my, my, I didn't. My dad cooked all the food, yeah, in our household. Um, he's an amazing chef, but an amazing cook, I should say. But he doesn't particularly enjoy cooking. He cooks because. Um, he's very good at making. I've got. We've got a large family. He's very good at making a little bit of food. The things he, that man can do with potatoes and mince is unbelievable. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we had. And, and I didn't realise at the time, but we had a really diverse. I think it was through necessity more than anything else. We had a really diverse menu. Like at the time in New Zealand, my wife's family, you know, they always had meat and three veg. Mm. We had kedgeri and we'd have curries and we'd have. Um, like meatloaf and then we'd have burger night and we'd have like stir fries and fried rice or you had all these but it was just because those were ways like fried rice you can take a little bit of meat and veg and put it with the rice and make it go a long way and feed a lot of yeah you know i mean um we didn't we we definitely with food did not go without at mm. all we always had you know there was always ice cream small ice cream cone after dinner but yeah. we, it wasn't particularly like it wasn't fancy food it wasn't yeah. like you know all the chefs go oh i was hanging off the aprons of my mum like no well that wasn't the case I think my brother, my older brother, became a chef because he was told wrongly. We were all t- most chefs at that time were told you're too useless to do anything else. Going fucking cook. That's what I was told. You're such yeah. a you're such a. I was told you, you're such a loser at school. You might as well fuck off and go and go and become a chef. I find that so difficult, and, I, and that's often a, a throwaway line that chefs will say to me. Oh, I wasn't any good at school, so then I, you know, I started I, going, and, and I'm like, I don't get that because what you're doing, I cannot even get my head around it. There's no way I could do the job you I do. I think that uh, a lot of chefs I know my age or around my age um, were undiagnosed, numerous 
letters in the in the alphabet, you know, ADD or dyslexia or whatever, whatever. Yeah. And and that wasn't at the time at school in New Zealand and probably Australia as well. Uh, they they they're on rote learning systems. They they weren't. Nowadays, there's this you know scenarios they can there's ways they can deal with kids That's who are right. suffering with. Then you were just labelled as a naughty little kid. Now we now know that having ADD and those things doesn't make you a naughty little kid. It just means you think in a different way. Mm. You know what I mean? And I do think in a very different way, as you're probably picking up. But it'll let, I've made it work very well for me because <laughs> I, I jump around. I, I sit there on the computer and I can jump from show to show to show to show to show, and it's all happening all at once. Whereas most people, they look at me and they go, "Now yeah, what the fuck are you doing?" Mate? No, absolutely. Um, but it works for me. You know what I mean? So, so I think that the chefs who are told you're useless go and become a chef are the ones who are now fairly successful in the. Yeah. Multitude of different types yeah. of venues, you know, mm. uh, the multitude of different types of establishments and ways of being a chef. Uh, they're the ones who are the most successful because they've made it work for them. Mm. Um, and it's not because they were dumb, it's not because they were useless, it's because they just didn't think in the way that their teachers thought. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, the sad thing with COVID is we've lost a few of those people, obviously, because they've gone on to other things. You know what I mean? It's my generation that's moved on. That's really sad, you know. But, yeah, that throw like you say that that concept. I don't think it stands true anymore because now you've got a different type of. My son's just started an apprenticeship, mm. and I couldn't be happier. I think he's, and I want things. I think we've come. The good thing to come out of COVID is that the pay has marketably marketed marketably improved. You know, we're now getting what I think is a, a fair rate, mm. a fair go. Um, it's highlighted all the sort of the you know. Business owners have gone right. You want people, you're going to have to give them work life balance. You have to make it worth their while. If there's no work life balance, um, it's changed a lot of things for the good as well. Yeah. You know I mean, there's from that perspective, I think. Well, I was going to ask you about that because I just went to an event on Monday. I keep bringing this up in all my conversations this week, but it really impressed upon me. It was run by in November and it was called Mo Hospo and it had, and it was mainly about uh, men and men's mental health yeah. and hospitality. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, I think mental health is a, is an issue or is a, a, con- a concern or a thing across the board, not just in hospitality. But I think that it's ob- it's obviously very pressured in hospo and, mm. and it has that, that historically people have burnt out because it's, you know, and there's drugs and alcohol and all of those things. Check in before you check out. Yeah. That's kind of... And so, I've, I've, we've all been... Yeah. The thing is, is... How do you prevent burnout? I mean, you're going it. full bore, but how, what's Yeah, your... but I'm the business owner. You yeah. Know what I mean? So, like, first of all, I'd say we are all, anyone who's been in the industry as long as I have, has been guilty of both overworking themselves and asking other people to be overworked. That was what the industry, we, that was what we thought the industry had to be, mm. right? Um, I know that in the past 10, 15 years, I've been trying to make a real solid effort myself to change that mentality and the way that I ask what I ask people to do. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and and that's all you can do is just go, okay, I don't like it. That's the way it was for us. So that's the way it has to be. That's the way it was. But if you were given the choice, would you have kept it that way? No, of course you would not. If I had given the choice, no way I would have done 100 hours when I had young kids. Mm. You know, my wife calls it her single Mondays. That's, yeah. And it, that's what it was though. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the truth of it. Um, and look, what we need to do is make those positive changes. And I think that we, for a few years, we we're going, how do we make it happen? How do we make it happen? And then, like I said, COVID sort of came along and then there was the big debacle with sort of um, a lot of the, the industry leaders uh, being put under the microscope just before COVID. And it sort of forced those changes. Now it's a matter of 
convincing the dining public that they're going to have to pay for those changes because we need to be able to charge realistic cost of production. Mm. I make no apologies whatsoever for the costs I charge people because I don't overcharge people. I charge people a fair and equitable amount for what what I produce. And that whether that be a show, um, I'm lucky that the people who, who run the shows, like they, they, they've... I, you know, you go to them and say, hey, look, I think the crew needs extra money because this is what they would get paid if they weren't with me if they were in a restaurant. And they've gone, yeah, no problems. Mm. They, they get it. Whereas I think asking the dining public is probably a little harder. Mm. Yeah. That's a harder... Like the dining public, food's getting so more expensive at restaurants. It's like, well, because... And rightfully so. We're paying chefs more. We're paying waiters more. We're paying more for the food. But food's and expensive in the supermarket. That's exactly right. Yeah, and 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 so therefore we need to charge you more. And yeah, I, with our restaurant, when we finally get around to setting it up, um, that's one of the things I discussed with the, the marketing guys was that we want to actively market that when you come to the restaurant, you are paying actual cost production. The reason why it's going to be expensive because mm. it's going to be a fine dining restaurant, and the reason why you're getting paid is because that's the cost of doing business. We're not. It's not. You're paying more so that I put back money in my back pocket. I can give a shit about my back, back pocket. Clearly, mm. I, I, I invest. You know, we'll invest all sorts of things into into uh, you know, like making sure that the staff have a good work life balance, making sure they're paid equitably, making sure that they feel they're involved in the processes of the restaurant, but don't have to take those home. Yeah. You said I work all these hours. Yes, but if you're a chef and you finish work in a restaurant, you should be able to. The only person who should not switch off should be the owner. Everyone else should be able to go. Oh, forget about it. I'm leaving work. Yeah, but you obviously love it. Oh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, it'll probably send me to an early grave, but you know, hey, live fast. <laughs> but tell me about your mindful project. Uh, look, we started that just before COVID. I, oh, I, I'll come. I will circle back round yeah. to that and, and make it happen again. But we started it. We did the first. We did the first gig, which was uh, down at Trofeo, and it was trying to prove that you could do a um, vegan. Uh, fine dining vegan uh, event without actually anyone realising or missing the meat yeah. if that makes sense um, which I think is easy enough to do you know like 11 Madison Park can do it I mean yes. they've, they've done it to great success and a lot of the other places come up with vegan you know what I mean like yeah. uh, if they've proved that the concept works so that was the first one and then we were going to do ones that we yeah concentrate. we were going to basically do 12 events over 12 months and each one was going to highlight a different thing in the industry which was current and needed attention and oh, nice. would maybe highlight something so we started off with a vegan one because it was an easy one to make then we were going to do things like you know that the, we were going to look at the mental health we were going to look at sort of you know all these different things unfortunately that did get absolutely squealy supplant, uh, yeah. planted by, by COVID because yeah. we did the first one I think it was about a month before oh, wow. the lockdowns oh. and then they happened and it was just like okay yeah. no that's where that's not going to happen unfortunately but I mean once the restaurants open uh, I won't go into too much details about the restaurant, but we've got some massive plans for. They'll be down here. Uh, the location I'm currently waiting on them to get back to me is in Mount Martha, and it's a very, very cool location. Nice. Uh, I want it to be on the peninsula because I love the peninsula. Yeah. It's a beautiful spot. It is so beautiful. My partner's parents live in Balnaring, and yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. so we're down here a lot, and it's just. Um, Balnaring is stunning. Yeah, well, they're, they're in the. The kind of more rural middle bit, just a little bit away from the sea, but it, and it's just we've got a um, like a shack down the bottom of the horse paddock, and honestly, like you know, waking up and looking at it there is just amazing. <laughs> oh, look, you know what Balnarring reminds me of, and why I like it so much? It reminds me of Raglan. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I go there and I go. It feels like Raglan to me. Nice. And I spent a lot of time as a teenager in Raglan. Yes. You know, smoking pot and surfing. <laughs> So, so, okay, so you wanted to be several things and then you, did you just start working in kitchens? Is that what uh, you No, no, no. So, um, my story is a bit, so me and my wife have been together since she was 14 and I was just turned 16. Been That's together nice. very, very, when we were very young. Wow. Um, and I was actually homeless between couch surfing and there was a, living under a bridge and, you know, just, just generally just being a bum. Um, I had done some work when I got kicked out of school. I got forced into the kitchens and done some work and got fired from that job and whatever else. Um, and I was washing windows with a mate of mine. And this, and then my wife went job hunting for me and it happened to be a guy who had washed his windows a few times in the lights as well in Hamilton. And he, yeah, he, I went in and literally from the first night, it was a different kitchen. It was a lot more professional. Okay. It was Metropolis Cafe. So um, we, yeah, I... I landed there as the dishwasher like you can imagine smelly bum of a pot smoking twit um, and and sort of on, I remember on the first night I was just going man these guys like the best example was like with Anthony Bourdain talks about the pirate crew and stuff that's what it was like for me I was looking at man this is like it's like these guys are rock stars you know what I mean um, I remember it's Alice on the front and it's Rob on the back and then, you know it was just like and, and and my push then became, oh, right, I want to be, that's what I wanted to be. Wow. Bumps and, like like anyone, bumps and things along the way. Um, probably wasn't the best employee for the first couple of years and everywhere else. And, and I remember Rob pulled me aside and basically said, if you don't go start TAFE or Polytech, then you can't work here next year. Yeah. So, go, and that, I think that was a tough love thing from his perspective. And I ended up running his kitchens, you know, like when he left, he came over here. Haven't seen him since. Um, I ran and running kitchens, and yeah, we ended up winning the cafe of the year, which we were more of a cafe restaurant. Yeah, you know? um, and it was a funky place too. It was cool, like like at the time, including myself. I know you can't see it, but including myself, we all had dreadlocks. Every single staff member except for the owner, Deb, had dreadlocks. Well, um, so it's the 90s. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Nineteen ninety, from ninety. I think it was 90, no 94 it would have been something like that I don't know through to I, I was there until 98 yeah um, but yeah no, so we all had dreadlocks and it was all about the coffee culture we were going through a time oh yeah it was just like like Hamilton at the time actually had some really good restaurants in, in hindsight I think about some really passionate chefs yeah um, yeah and it was, it was kind of like a, I don't know if it was a good thing or bad thing my first menu I ever wrote myself which I was so uber proud of mm. and I can still remember all the things that were on that menu with everything else that's come and gone since um, was the one that we won the cafe of the year with. So I was like, wow, like, very much at the time I was 20, 20 years old, I think. Yeah. I was like, I look at myself now and I go, you, you're a dick. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I, but I'd look at myself now, if it was me, I'd look and say, you, you, you don't even know where things can go yet. Like, you know, I mean, like, and we, I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing because it was what it was. Well, it's worked. <laughs> oh, it's worked for me. Like, yeah. So, look. My trajectory was, it's bumpy, it's, but I mean, you know, I've had a lot of people who've helped me and I'm, I couldn't, you know, I've had a lot of, I've been very, very lucky to just have a lot of people uh, who have, uh, who have helped me along the way and are still helping me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, I think if I was to say I have one skill, it's surrounding myself with good people. That's, and I don't know why these people like to hang out with me or do, but they do and, and you know, hey, I'll take it. Um, like at the moment, my team—they're they're just amazing. The guys for the Olympic team—they're all just amazing. You know, yeah. Pat O'Brien and those guys—they're just—they're all. It's just 
yeah, if you've got good people around you, everything else you're doing, like if you're as busy as I am in the next three months, that makes that a lot more easier and a lot more, because you know you can go to someone, hey, I haven't got time for this, do you reckon you can pick this up? And people go, yeah, no problem, it's easy. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So with all that in mind, what would your advice be to, well, what, what do you tell your son wanting to become a chef? What's your advice? Um, don't put, like, don't put up with the shit which some people think, because don't put up with the shit, like we were saying, the times have changed, either be part of the change or fuck off out of the industry. The industry doesn't need bullies anymore. The industry doesn't need people who are going to, uh, there's nothing wrong with working hard and people going, thing, but as soon as you expect people to do things that you wouldn't do yourself, then, then you're in the wrong, you know what I mean? Like, and like I said, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't asked people in the past to do that because I thought that was just the way it was and everyone did but that doesn't mean we shouldn't change and we should change so for my son I, I want him to I want him to follow his own path first and foremost because um, like he's really passionate about it he loves cooking you know he loves food he always has and the thing is he's only ever known me as a chef mm. you know what I mean uh, obviously and that's a bit hard because you sort of think when you've got kids you forget that they haven't been there for half your life you know what I mean? They only remember, he only, yeah, so anyway, so he came in here the other day and I was in here practicing something, he goes, oh, now that I'm working, I realise how cool this kitchen is. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, well, hey, look, I've got every toy I could ever want, I can cook, you know, I've got all the resources right at, yeah, there's some toys up there you won't recognise. <laughs> there's some toys that don't genuinely go, in, normally go in the kitchen, like the paper press there. Uh, what? 3D it? printer. <laughs> so okay. we make our own silicon moulds we do wow. um, so we've got 3D printers we've got paper presses we've got a cricket to, to cut out our own moulds and stuff uh, dye machines yeah we've got along with all the other usual sort of pecos and thermos and, and lots of books uh, yeah most of the books these are the books that are helpful yeah good yeah these are the books that are helpful it's a ripple player if you're wondering what that is in the middle Oh, right, yes. Something cool about sort of cooking to Absolutely. vinyl. Uh, I can do that because we're not serving customers in here. So. That's awesome. Um, yeah, look, uh, I want a lot of good things for my son. I think, um, and if he, I said to him, we were, he, he, came, he came the other day, because I'm obviously, I love cooking competitions, and he, he's decided he wanted to do a cooking competition, which is Oztape. He got asked by Homeskin, who he's with. And so I dropped him off at the practice the other day, and I sat out in the car, uh, well, he well he did his practice with the TAFE teachers, and then on the way home, I said I said to him, I said, oh, you know, you know, you don't have to feel like you have to do this just because it's something that I love to do. You know, he goes, oh, I'll give it a go, and if I like it, I might do it again. And, you know, who knows? Um, and it's important to me that I have what I love to do. He might decide he loves at the current time he's working in RSL, which I actually think is a really good place to do an apprenticeship. Mm. I think an RSL, an Aussie RSL, they've got a, a nice menu. It's a lot of stuff that's being cooked, you know, from scratch, from what he talks about, and you know, it's, we go up there, we have dinner once every couple of weeks, and it's it's tasty, you know, it's tasty, delicious, basic food, and it's a great place to learn how to cook, the fundamentals of how to cook, you know, from an apprentice point of view, and if he chooses that, I can I can absolutely see why someone would love to cook in an RSL for a career, and if that's what he wants to do, I think that's amazing because I can I can you know, I can see all the different facets of where you might want to be a chef all have their merit like you know you want to do you want to cook in a retirement home I can absolutely see that provides one of the best work life balances you could possibly have 
um, and you, you can plan your whole month because you know they, they run a cyclic menu. You know? So I can see the benefit of doing that. I can see why you'd want to do events. I can see why you want to do fun. Everyone, I think, yeah, they all want to do fine dining when they say they want to be a chef, right? But they don't realize that in a fine dining restaurant, there's only one chef. Mm. Maybe two, if you include the sous chef, you know what I mean? But mm. uh, everyone else is just working really hard to get to that position. Whereas you work in an RSL, you get to crumb your own schnitties and learn a bit of butchery. And it's, I think from an apprentice point of view, I like it. I think it's good. Yeah. Not to say you don't get a good apprenticeship in the other places, but yeah. you know, and it's local, it's 100 metres up the road. Perfect. Love, love. Yeah. Why not? Thanks, Andrew. Um, I need to leave you to do some more spreadsheet stuff. Yeah, sorry. Thanks. No, absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with a Chef with Andrew Ballard. You can check it all out on at Andrew Ballard Chef. That's A-N-D-R-E-W-B-A-L-L-A-R-D Chef. That's on Instagram, of course. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more stories from other chefs, I'm on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef. You can read the chat at www.conversationwithachef.com and of course you can listen and follow me on Apple and Spotify. I would love it if you told a friend about my chats. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.